my God, it's Dr. Stu's podcast with me, Dr. Stu, and my protege, Bliss Young. We're back for podcast number one eight, no, 119, I think. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on uh, drstuspodcast.com. You can email me at askdrstu at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook. Give us five stars on iTunes. You can find me at uh, birthinginstincts.com and Bliss, I think you find her at birthingbliss.com. That's right. Is that right. correct? Yeah. Right, welcome, Bliss. Thank you. Uh, boy, I take a deep breath. Before we get started today, I just wanted to re- rehash a little bit from the last podcast where we talked to Nebraska birthkeeper Angie Hawk. Um, I got some really nice emails from people, uh, supportive and also curious about this whole thing. And then I got one from a, 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 a listener who is an attorney who gave me a really good explanation as to why this is not necessarily as good an idea as uh, Nebraska Birthkeeper made it put out that there may be some legal uh, pitfalls in it and not something that uh, we should jump into right away. Simply be, and, and by evidence of it is that if it was that great an idea, you'd think there would be large corporations and other things skirting laws and doing these things to, to make it easier for them. So because I'm not good at summarizing things, I've asked this uh, lawyer if it's okay if I release her information that she wrote to me to anybody interested. So if anybody wants to see what she wrote about this, uh, very professional, very on- honorable way she wrote it, um, you can write me at askdrstu at gmail.com and I will cut and paste it for you and send it back to you. So You don't want to just post it? Like no, because it's it, no. I don't. I okay. don't want to just post it because okay. I, I think that it's more of a of a private thing. It's a good question. Okay. I did send her an email. I haven't heard back from her yet to see whether or not I could post it. Uh, if she lets me, then yeah, then I would just post it on drsuespodcast dot com. Uh, probably would be the best place to post that. So I will. But good idea. Mm-hmm. But I sort of wanted to keep it private. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we don't want to cause controversy here at Dr. Stu's podcast. You know how that is. We're so we politi- don't. politically correct <laughs> and all that. Okay, so uh, it's been a real busy couple weeks since the last podcast. Uh, I do have to say that, uh, as we know, as everybody knows, our podcasts are recorded. So by the time it plays, some events have passed. But I will say that I did have an exciting time last night down in the enemy territory. I drove down to Anaheim to the uh, Honda Center to watch my LA Kings beat the Anaheim Ducks in overtime. (laughs) It was a very exciting game. We we played lousy for two periods and rallied in the third and made my day. So all the other stresses of the world go away by adding a different stress. So you add a different stress, whatever it might be, whether it's going to see a scary movie or whether it's you know, going a hiking a hill that's really strenuous or whatever, it helps get that adrenaline flowing and makes everything seem a little bit better, especially when your team wins. Awesome. Awesome. So I don't I don't deal with stress. Lister, how stressed. are you doing today? <laughs> Stressed. Stressed. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about it. We got some things we're going to talk about. I don't know if we'll get them all on this podcast, but we also want to talk. Uh, ACOG has some new VBAC guidelines out. We're going to talk about that. Actually, there's not a lot new about them. Um, some things are reinforced, and there's a few new things and new twists and. We'll talk about that. I also had um, three transports uh, mm. this past couple weeks. Uh, all of them were VBACs. Oh, wow. all, none of them uh, had bad outcomes. They all had good outcomes. I want to sort of go through that and how it feels to transport and how the uh, offering the option of letting these women have labor when it comes on their terms, even if they have to end up getting transported, and the advantages of that. We'll get into that, too. And I don't know if we're going to have time to do all that today, but first... 
uh, obviously timely wise was um, this past week was the MANA conference. Oh. And I got to speak down there and I thought that that was a, a, a nice to be invited. I spoke on the home breach option. Did you use Sophie? I used just Sophie alone. I didn't use Sophie's mom. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Sophie made an appearance and <laughs> got a few laughs and people could see uh, they got to come up and hold her and feel how, how, real, how realistic she is. She's over a little over eight pounds. I haven't held her. Yeah, she's in a suitcase in my car. You can come <laughs> feel her afterwards. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so no, we talked about the home breach option. And of course, you know, if you look at ACOG's guidelines, the, you know, there's sort of some schizophrenia there. They basically say that uh, breach twins and VBAC are absolute contraindications to home birth. But of course, what would you expect from someone who doesn't do breach and hates home birth. So I, I'm not surprised about that. There is no data for them to say that, which is why our paper, um, Rick Safries and I will have a paper hopefully coming out soon. I keep, I keep forecasting that because I'm expecting it to be accepted for publication soon on home breach, which will give some data, put data out there in the ethernet for people to uh, actually make their own decisions. Um, and then we talked about, uh, but the ACOG also says that in their uh, informed consent thing, they say that you know uh, coercion or not giving f full information is absolutely forbidden. So, so if uh, not respecting a woman's choice is not a, a reasonable option for physicians, then how can they tell? Then how can they tell women that they can't have certain things done at home? Or how about supporting them if they need them at the hospital, which is what we talked about last time. Well, yeah, that too. If, if you're really supporting a woman's choice, right? But if you're, but it, but a ACOG, some of the guys at ACOG say you should you should actually convince women not to have home births. But then in, in another second they say, but use of coercion is absolutely forbidden. So it's sort of a, a funny dichotomy. Mm -hmm. That's the way I see it anyway. Mm -hmm. That's the way my brain brain works. So, um, so my Manum experience was only about three to four hours long, and it was pretty decent. But um, I want to talk a little bit about your <laughs> your Manum experience, uh, because you're not alone. And uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of my midwife friends out there. And um, there were some things going on this year. And you, you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, Take I don't... Take a deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how deeply I want to go into it today, because I think that um, a lot of people are very nervous about how to speak in a way, even if our hearts are in the right place, how to speak in a, in a way that does not upset and offend other people. Um, and so I'm, I'm definitely trying to find the language. And it, I, I was telling you, I spent- Should it, should it be that hard? No, okay. I, I mean, I don't think. Right, that's the thing is- <laughs> I don't People are offended these hard. days by by things that you couldn't even imagine being offended by, mm -hmm. and you don't even know it, because it's you know you speak a certain way and you spoke a certain way for fifty years, and suddenly some people are finding your manner or your style or you know what you represent to be offensive. It's very it's very hard to without clear explanation. It's very hard to understand why we have to couch our language so carefully. Um, and be so sensitive and the whole safe space thing and all that stuff that goes on on college campuses now is, is sort of a, a extreme example of that. I think that's what you're sort of talking about. Yeah, well, I, I understand the need for people to feel like they have a voice 
and that they feel like they can express when something is offensive or difficult to them and that we all live in our own bubble and our own perspectives of of how we've seen life. So, you know, there's lots of examples. Like I always forget that it's Shabbat on Saturday and I always feel really like I have friends that are Jewish that I work with and clients and then they remind me and I feel bad that I didn't remember that of course it's Shabbat on Saturday. Um, so that's just like one example of yeah, like- Yeah, but do those I, people then get bitter with you and hold it against you? No, but what I'm saying <laughs> okay. is, is that I think that when we live in our own bubble, we don't always- even if we have good intentions to be inclusive and to be considerate and to be thoughtful, that it's very difficult when you're in your own, the water that you swim in, to always be able to see how someone else would feel. Do we always have to see how other people feel? We don't. Okay. But I think that there are consequences when we're interacting with somebody if we're not sensitive to their experience, right? So that, that, I agree with you, but you're, what you're saying is the scale has been tipped so long in one direction that now we need to tip the scale so long in the other direction because shouldn't what you just said be true about the other person respecting your feelings and positions too? I think that this is how you, you and I are on a similar page in regards to this is that we're being seen as um, the oppressor, Right. From a, we haven't really we haven't really no, no, even named I'm not the even going to get into it yet because okay. I think everybody can relate to what we're talking about right. before we even do right it, it we've become so um, hypersensitive and politically correct that it's become difficult to have conversations a lot of times without feeling like you're going to offend someone before we even say because there's lots of different communities that feel marginalized and we were joking around before the podcast started that even you know even um, stand-up comedians sometimes now are saying forget it I'm not going to do stand-up comedy anymore because I, I have to be so politically correct that I can't even make a joke anymore so I do think that everyone can agree that and maybe not. Maybe there are people that want to comment to say that they don't agree with this stance, um, but that it's become very difficult to communicate in general. Yeah, it has. I, mean, I think that I think your comedian example is a good one because uh, actually I went to a comedy club last summer and the comedy was great. It was great. And there was some politics in it and it's usually anti-Trump politics, which seems to be the only political thing that people can can make jokes about, but it, 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 I, I think it's probably a, a much more difficult thing for them to walk, not knowing who their audience is and, and knowing that no matter what they say, unless it's just, you know, stupid slapstick type humor, um, that they're going, that somebody's going to be offended. And the term, you know, I don't know when it became so prevalent in our, in our the word offended became so prevalent in society. It's only been something that's happened in the last maybe 10 years that, that uh, I'm offended, I'm offended, I'm offended. I mean, you know, a lot of times when you were offended in, in you know, a, a century ago, you know, you just went about your business and you just said that guy's a jerk and you went on about your business. But it, it didn't it didn't become the center of your existence to to worry about whether, you know, you're I mean, look at Don Rickles, for instance, as a comedian. Mm -hmm. He offended everybody. OK. <laughs> He he really offended everybody. I mean, his his whole shtick, he would he would uh, never he couldn't he couldn't do one of his acts in this day and age. Is that are we better off for that? 
Are you asking? Yeah, me that's a question. About are we better off being more the, offended as a culture? Being more, too sensitive as a culture. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. But one of the comments that I made before we started as well is that, you know, I feel like we are in a different time, and there are marginalized communities that are finding their voice. And I think that the topic and their feelings and what has happened is going to make us uncomfortable. And I think that that's part of the point of all of this. And so, you know, I think that the comments that I've heard back, and I'm sometimes shocked because I come from a biracial family. My mother is gay, came out of the closet when when I was eight years old. So well, good, I, good thing she wasn't gay before, before you were, you were born. <laughs> <laughs> she might have been. Um, well, you wouldn't have been here then. But look, I've been in the gay and lesbian community since 1978. I have been born into a biracial family since 1971. Um, I I felt as if I was included, but when I'm looked at from the outside, I'm seen as a white heterosexual woman. And um, so you're not being judged by the content of your character, but by the color of your skin. Is that what <laughs> is that what you would say? I, I mean, I, I guess. Yeah. I guess, you know. And well, that, I know that that happens to me all the time. I yeah. Mean, you um, know, I'm just, a, I'm just a white male. And, and, I, and I know from reading a, a lot of things on Facebook over the Sunday and Monday when I decided not to go back to the conference because um, I just, I felt so uncomfortable. Um, and I've got a lot of other stuff going on in my life and I felt like going to the, to Mana was going to be a really wonderful, pleasant distraction. <laughs> well, you know, those conferences have always been a wonderful distraction. Mm-hmm. They've always been reaffirming and supportive and re-energizing. But I, I you know, I, I could feel it for the few hours that I was there. Yeah. And I, sometimes you just can't take it, right? Sometimes you were talking about how you alleviate stress. Sometimes you have to step back and and regroup and get your head on straight and and try and talk to people who maybe know your personal character a little bit better but can help you see the other side. Um, and so I had to kind of take a step back and say, okay, I don't know the right words to say. I'm having, one of the things I saw online was, you know, just being humble and saying, I'm having a difficult time with this language right now. I'm, I'm fumbling. I feel awkward. I don't know how to to say what's in my heart without having it land over there like I'm offending you and it's definitely not my intention. And so... um, Did you put that out there? Or that's what you were thinking? I have put that out there. And even, you know, I even took a step back from directly going at it, the topics, which, you know, are midwives of color and um, the transgender queer community. And if I said any language in those two (laughs) statements that were offensive, I really apologize. I'm really trying to figure out the right words. Um, But those were the topics that were hot topics this particular weekend that came up a lot for people. Um, And so I tried to not speak directly to those different communities about my feelings, but I tried to take a more, I'm a spiritual person. So I tried to kind of take a step back and look at it from a spiritual perspective that like, you know, I really wish sometimes my soul could talk to your soul and we could just sit and have a conversation and we could slow it down in the language. And if I offended you, we could take a breath and you could 
tell me. And I wanted to say before the podcast started that you and John had a conversation. And I was really, I, I, I thought it was really lovely to witness you guys honestly having a conflict but you guys stuck it out and you kept talking and kept listening and kept talking and kept listening until we could start the podcast start the (laughs) podcast right but but I'm finding that that's not happening a lot and what is happening is you know a lot of personal attacks a lot of shut up and sit down a lot of you know and I understand I, I'm trying to understand the anger. I don't even want to say I understand the anger, but I'm trying to understand the anger. Anger, But what I think and what I think you're trying to say is that um, we're not able to progress until we can actually hear each other. And so I, I would love to be the bridge. And I wonder, I was thinking when we started the podcast, if we could invite somebody on who would like to help us bridge that conversation help us understand a little bit more help us help us hear what their perspective is a little bit more and have it be a really respectful conversation that's not angry and heated and then people can be witnessed through the podcast i think what you're saying it would be delightful and and have a great purpose and i'm open to it mm-hmm. and and my only hesitation of is twofold one is that um there's so much hostility right now mm-hmm. in 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 this community mm-hmm. and in other issues as well, but we're mm-hmm. talking about the MANA conference, mm-hmm. that I don't, I, I don't think that we mean the same thing when we say let's have a dialogue. I think the term dialogue means you listen to our point of view and shut up. And That's how you're feeling right now. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, that's how it feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how it felt to you. Clearly, I mean, you told you told me off mic mm-hmm. some of the things that happened, and and I get it. Um, it's very hard to have a dialogue when both sides can't listen, and right now there's so, so much hostility that they can't listen. The other the other thing about the whole thing is that I understand what you said was very eloquent about their feelings and about uh, wanting to be inclusive and wanting to ha- have a voice. The question I I, I we talked about before the podcast is what's the end game? What's the per? What what do they want? Uh, and you said something, and I, and again, I'll repeat it. Um, you said something like, "Well, right now they just want us to feel uncomfortable." You said that that they you know sort of that they want us to feel as if it's how that that felt. I'm not sure that's their direct purpose. I think that that's sort of what's happening. No, but they don't want to apologize for that either. So if you say, wow, I feel really upset or I feel really offended or I feel really excluded from this conversation, the response that I'm seeing, and not directly towards me even, it's just in general, is be with that discomfort because that's how we've been feeling for for our whole lives. That's what it feels like when you are um, discriminated against. That's what it feels like when the entire culture excludes you. So I get that. Be with that. I get that. But yeah. then, but then, do that. Is that is that where they want this to go, or do they have an eventual endpoint that they'd like unity rather than divisiveness? Because right now, what's happening is it's more divisive than at least from our side, our perspective, which will not further the the advancement of the cause we all share, which is you know midwifery and reaching out and you know reaching more women with more information and more choices and maybe 
reaching legislatures as a united front to get them to be more accepting of what we do. When we're infighting and when we're fighting and when we can't even communicate or we can't or or, or a certain large percentage of the of the group can't speak out for fear of offending someone, um, I'm not sure. You know, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not sure what the end point is. What is it? The what's the end game? What do they ultimately want to achieve? Well, I think you asking me. <laughs> no, I'm mean, just it's, it's rhetorical. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, that's why I want to invite somebody on to be able to speak about that. But I can tell you from reading and reading and but reading. But why isn't that clear, though, Bliss? But, why why but, shouldn't uh, we know what their end game you, is? Let me tell you that um, the language of inclusivity for the queer community was a big agenda. And it was a big topic that they wanted women to be removed because there are people, I've heard different terms being used, folks, people, um, people that are birthing that don't identify as women. And it's an include, it's an, it excludes them to, to use the term women. And then there's women, feminist uh, midwives that were speaking and saying, you can't just erase the word women that, you know, like, and so there's a lot, it's heated and there's a lot of layers. In terms of the midwives of color, the the racial disparities that are, the statistics are very clear that there are racial disparities in childbirth and that white midwives of, my, white midwives have been in power. For, <laughs> white white midwives of color. Right? You can see that I'm choosing my words very carefully yeah. or trying to, um, have been in power for so long and have not addressed the that. disparity. Right. Okay. And so they're saying, I don't want to hear what you have to say anymore. You had your time of power. You did not address this. We're angry as hell about it. And we want you to step aside and we're going to take okay. some power. I, 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 the, everything you just said makes perfect sense to me regarding the, the disparity. The agendas. Uh, well, departing the, not, not so much the term woman, but the, mm -hmm. uh, the disparity and the stuff. But... But the idea that you're going to solve it by being angry as hell, because you just said we're angry as hell and mm -hmm. we want you to step aside. Now, I can understand that wanting to step aside because, you know, that's like, that's like in the government when, when you vote for somebody and they, don't, and they promise you things and promise you things and nothing gets better and only gets worse, then you vote them out. You want to step aside. That makes perfect sense. But the angry as hell part makes it it's hard to jump on the bandwagon of saying, okay, yeah, I'm happy to step aside and let you have your say when, but you, you, you know, you, you should be, you know, it's sort of the golden rule, even though maybe it wasn't followed for, for centuries, it doesn't pay, it doesn't really pay to not follow it now. I think that from what I can tell, and again, I think it would be better for someone else to be speaking, <laughs> but from what I've been reading and researching, cause I'm very interested is that, they asked nicely for a long time and tried to the social discourse of participating at that level for a long time and were ignored. And now that they are angry and that they are... They're not being ignored. They're not being right, ignored because we're all talking about right. it. Yeah, okay. All right. And and so I agree that this is the first time that it is really being discussed. And I wish that it wasn't um, in a way that there were so, that that it felt so divisive, um, because one of the things that I will say publicly that I feel that I feel very saddened about um, in the pushing the the kind you know it's been termed as white midwives, but it's basically elder midwives 
um, wisdom aside is extremely offensive to me because I believe that we hold a body of wisdom and and it's like throwing out the baby with the bathwater, right? Like you're just going to throw out all the wisdom, everything that they have to say, all of the knowledge, all of the history, everything that they've done for midwifery just is gone rather than... Is that what's being suggested? Um, that's, that's how it feels to a lot of the midwives that I'm reading, the elder midwives are, are saying they feel like this younger generation is basically saying... We don't have any use for you. You need to just shut up and sit down. And I and I under I understand both sides. And I wish that we could figure out how to, you know, one of the kind of spiritual oh. concepts that I've heard recently is that there's always a third option. You think it's black or white, but there's always always, a, always. probably a fourth and a fifth too. Right. So I think it's about thinking, okay, I got it. I hear what you're saying strongly. I hear what the other side is saying strongly. And and I really think that we have to figure out some sort of compromise, some sort of third option, because both people and, and community, just like, you know, when you talk about a, an elder and a, and a youth, right? The elder has so much to offer, but so does the youth. They have so much vitality and and um, you know ideology, and they're just like so excited about life that they they need to listen to each other because there's so much wisdom on both sides. Um, and I think that we need to acknowledge that both sides have a very valid point. And well, we're just excuse not my ignorance on all this because this is I'm getting a, a, a good earful from you that things that I don't know. And yeah, I I can admit that I I'm you know, sort of outside this information and, you know, I'll probably come across sometimes as being, for, for lack of a better term, a bit of a, of a jerk, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> to a lot of, to a lot of my, uh, uh, my, my friends in the, in the, in the, in the, um, in the industry. But when you say they don't want to have anything to do with the elder midwives, are you talking about I don't the know knowledge? that that's true. Are you talking about the knowledge or are you talking about just having them in, in roles of leadership. I don't know that that's true. I just know that that's how those midwives are feeling. And that's what they're saying is that it feels to them, not just this conference, but I've heard them refer to the squat conference as well, that they felt like a, there was one woman and I wish I had, you know, I could bring you names and stuff, but she was talking about a book that she had written. Better that you don't have names probably. She was an elder midwife, the squat um, conference, and no one would, because she was white, no one paid any attention to her. She was there to sign a book. No one acknowledged her. No one talked to her. And then she got up and spoke about some of the wisdom from her book and they were all ears because she had finally been, had a platform to say like I actually have something to say I'm not just this white elder midwife who you know is is your enemy and then her book sold out and this was just one account so I I I, I think it's very complex and I'm not trying to speak for that community I I'm really trying to understand and I think what we're talking about is that it's difficult to communicate communicate sometimes about these issues and that we just need would we would like to find ways to build bridges and to support there being a dialogue for understanding that's my personal thing I'd like that I hear you I mean (laughs) I I, there's nothing that you said that I don't agree with Mm -hmm. nothing Mm -hmm. however I'm sure there are people 
that are listening that disagree. Um, well, no, but, I mean, because yeah, because we're only seeing it from our point of mm-hmm. view, and, and that's all, what can you expect? You only see things from your point of view. Right. It's very hard to see things how other people see things. You don't have their life experiences and their background, and so everybody sees things differently. Right. I just don't see how we're going to achieve betterment of care for the women we tend want to serve by by not being able to speak freely being so have to walk on eggshells when we talk or having to shut up or 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 having as you said ang- anger and and sometimes visceral hatred um i've been in communication with some people where they disagree with what i say but they don't argue the points of what i'm saying it they attack me personally they right. call me bad names right <laughs> right I'm sorry for laughing. Yeah, you can laugh. <laughs> I mean, like, we've all been through that, but I'm just saying. It's just like the young person in us, right? They called me a bad name. Yeah, called, it hurts, though. It well, hurts when, it, you're, when your heart's in the right place. Right. It, 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 doesn't really, it doesn't hurt as much as it, it makes it impossible to have a dialogue with somebody who won't engage with the issues as much as just because you hold a point of view that they dislike they attack you as being a hater or uh, you know a white privileged person or a jerk or a bastard or you know just uh, ignorant and t- i mean again let's talk about it you i mean people who know me you know i have i have strong opinions about stuff but they also know that i've been uh, uh, for the most of my career been in service to the women that we serve and to the midwives i do lots of volunteer stuff i give i I give lots of information to people i i call in prescriptions for i mean i do all the things that all the midwives in our community like to do i give talks for free um uh so i'm I'm not the person that they describe but they 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 think because i hold views that might be politically different or might be ignorant from their point of view they rather than engage me in a discussion like john and i were able to resolve our issue with a conversation, um, they will just go resort to name calling. And once you start calling someone a bad name, like a misogynist or a you know or a, a homophobe or whatever you want to call them, transphobe, transphobe, you basically shut down any sort of dialogue possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because why would anybody, any reasonable person, have a dialogue with a transphobe, right? Or whatever else, right? Yeah, and um, you know, I think. The, the audience doesn't know, but you and I know that we don't share political views, and we've we've definitely. Well, I think the audience knows that. <laughs> Some <laughs> um, of our audience knows that we but- don't share political. But I, I have such a respect for who you are, as a man, as a father, as as a you know, the courage that it takes to do the work that you do. You're not perfect. I don't agree with everything that you say or do, but I don't exclude all of those other beautiful parts of your personality because I don't necessarily agree with that one part. And I think that as a human being, from human to human, if we can try our best to, to see those parts where we can connect, um, it is hard though sometimes when we feel like the political views or the white privilege is actually causing harm in our lives. It's hard to want to have a, a genuine dialogue with somebody. That's where the anger comes from. Yeah, I get that. And I, and I appreciate what you said because I feel very much the same way about you. But I will, <laughs> I, will read posts, I will read posts from some of my dearest midwife friends on Facebook 
you know, often political. They have no no qualms about putting out hateful political messages about Trump or about about the Republicans or about something like that, you know, or conservatives in that matter or or gun control or whatever it is. They put out these these memes or these things that 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 I find to be offensive and disagreeable, but it does not affect my ability to work side by side with those people, have dinner with those people, um, you know, share good times with those people, invite them to hockey games, okay, uh, that sort of thing, because, just because they hold different views from me. You, you know, and that's the thing that I got the sense from talking to you and other people about MANA was that, that because you hold potentially different views or just because of the color of your skin, it doesn't matter what the content of your character is, but the color of your skin, we're going to exclude you and we're going to be happy to do it. And it's like, how does this, how, how does, I mean, again, I wish they would, maybe this is, maybe there's beyond maybe stage one thinking here. Maybe there is some stage two thinking and thinking that it's going to get us to change, but I, I don't see how we're going to solve the issues that we should all be wanting to solve and maybe maybe they could say, well, your your issues are different than my issues. See, again, I'm looking at it from my only point, my point of view. So their issues are probably different than my my issues are. Are how do we get midwifery care to more people, and how do we care for the for the uh, women of color who have been discriminated against for all these years and have poor outcomes, and how do we do that sort of thing? Well, uh, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I always have thoughts. Um, because well, th- I'm thinking about it, and I wondered if you had thoughts on things that you think that you could do. Well, that- I would love to be able, you know, again, for me, I would love to, I'm restricted a lot by, by the tort system we have in this country and by, the, and by the, the cost of running a business and overhead. I would love to be able to attend bursts and, 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 and do um, pro bono work and teach and all that stuff. I would love to do it for as little as possible or free, which I do sometimes. But, but it, you know, it, it's it's hard to do that when you when you are still could could be held liable for something when you have overhead that you have to pay to maintain your license, to maintain your office, to do all these things. It's very very hard to to see how you have a solution where you can suddenly do large volumes of people or be, or spread. You know, like Bilbo Baggins would say, I'm like butter spread over too much bread. Yeah. And you can only be in so many places at one time and do so many things. Well, I went to the, um, at the MANA conference, I did, I did hand select a few things that were very important to me to go to. And one of them was the Medi-Cal uh, workshop. And um, licensed midwives are now able to accept Medi-Cal in California. And um, I too have felt that way because as if you have a birth center, your reimbursement is quite high. It's decent. Yeah. It's not, it's not high, but it's, well, it's better than... For, you, for midwives, what midwives It's better than what charge, you get for a home birth, yeah, correct. If, if I did a home birth for a Medi-Cal client, I could expect back about 1300 bucks total. For all of the care, birth, delivery, postpartum. Correct. Um, if it was a birth center, it would be more like close to, I think, 4,000. So you can see why people who want to, to do this kind of work want to open a birth center where I have PTSD from the sanctuary and I'm never opening a birth center ever, ever again. Right. Um, so as much as I want to do that work, um, I won't do it in that waste. But you know what I got out of that was that we can we can become a provider so that the state sees that we are doing this kind of work and our statistics and stuff can start to be included in terms of um, outcomes. But even if I just did, someone was saying you could do two a year. 
But even if I just did one a month, I could do that. I could do one the, a the month. The problem, of course, is then how do you uh, how do you turn down people? It's better than nothing, I think, is the thing. It's better than nothing to feel like you're doing something to contribute to it um, than saying, I can't do it all, so I'm going to do nothing. So the, but the problem, of course, occurs with the bureaucracy was once you become a medical practitioner or provider, mm-hmm. as they call it, um, you're subject to a lot of oversight and restrictions that might make it harder to do other things with your practice. I think the only one that came up that I that I heard from people who are actually doing it was being able to do VBACs in the birth center. That was the only one. So um, I, not to say that there isn't red tape and it seems like getting reimbursements is a big friggin' hassle and that's, all that's of that. That's sort of what I'm talking about. But if you didn't rely on the money, if it was more kind of thinking about it as pro bono work and whatever you got back, you got back. Because um, I, I see if you I'm have a birth center, you can that. do that. Because what if you have a paying client and a and a and a pro bono client in labor at the same time, and you have, and you're doing a home and you're a home birth person? It's a it's a it's yeah. harder. You know yeah, there I there are obstacles that we can get over, it. but mm-hmm. that's not going to solve the bigger picture. Which is, I mean, we could we could help with a little bit, all right. But yeah, I mean, sitting down and talking about these things like you did at the conference with this one seminar mm-hmm. is is a great start but it's hard to sit down when when people don't want to hear what you have to what what everyone in the room has to say when you're shut down and that's sort of i know that you went to some other meetings where you were completely shut down or weren't even allowed in the room i was asked to leave yeah i know <laughs> yeah I know. that was pretty shocking uh, yeah, yeah yeah but um and purposeful that i was asked to leave yeah Yes, because I don't currently identify as a queer midwife, um, and which made me uncomfortable because now I'm having to talk about like what my sexual past is. I'm like, why do I have to talk to you about who my sex partner is? You know, um, but I'm seen as a heterosexual midwife, and it would have been. Um, it would. Uh, what different? I mean, again, but it would have been. I'll tell you. Yeah, explain it would, this to me. It would have been. Mi- it would have been misleading for me to say. I'm a queer, I identify as a queer midwife because I, I don't right now, but I you mean, have, in order to go to this meeting, you have to like make a statement that I identify as a queer midwife? Um, it became obvious in our dialogues because I'm a very honest and open person that I was there as an ally and not as a person who identified as a queer, as a queer. And so um, somebody brought it up to the people who were facilitating and one of those people asked me to come outside and had a dialogue with me and said this was created as a safe space for um people oy, 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 oy. not midwives all no no just the term i know um but it was uh birth workers who identify as queer do are do you consider yourself an ally and i said yes and she said there are places for allies to come. This is not the safe place for that. And I said, are you asking me not to participate? Um, and she said, yes. And she said, imagine if you were um, if you were a group full of women and then a man walked in the room and you were like doing sister talk and you guys were talking about all kinds of stuff and then the man walked in. Your, your conversation would shift because now there's a man in the room, correct? And I said, yes. And she said, that's kind of how this is. We can't necessarily talk openly about how we feel and what's going on when we feel like there's someone who's not part of this community. Um, it just doesn't become a place where we can speak about it. I openly. understand that in a private club or a private home, but this is a MANA conference. It was the, a pre-conference workshop. Okay. Yeah. So did, it, did it specifically say, say on the MANA brochure that this was only for queer people? 
I looked at it again because obviously I, I know you would. I misread I it, right? And I was like, okay, let me see. But there was a um, nonconformist. I think it said um, nonconformist, and I'm like, I'm a nonconformist. Yes, you are. And and uh, I, I considered myself bisexual at one point. I belong, right? I, I, that's kind of how I felt. And I want to serve this community, and I want to be sensitive, and I want to hear what they have to say. I cleared my schedule. I paid a, a deposit to go and be with them. I drove an hour. I was excited to sit in this room. And, and as the conversations began, I started to feel like, oh, shit, I actually don't I, I'm going to be insensitive. I mean, when they handed me my name tag and they asked what my pronoun was. <laughs> I know. I know. My name tag asked me too. They asked me what my pronoun was. I was, I was like, uh, I don't know. And I'm sure that for them, that was like, the hell is she doing in here? But for me, I was so innocent. Like, I didn't, I wasn't even aware. But that's the great thing. What, about, is, the, what is the proper pronoun? Well, you're a he. Because no, no, you, not for me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> for the people in that room. Everybody identified as something Whatever different. they wanted to. Yeah. And okay. so, you know, there was someone who was a they. I've heard they before. Yeah. Um, and I, I was a she, but, but that took me a while to you, figure out. I was like, and again, I don't I'm not, know. I'm not mocking anything. I'm not either. Okay. I'm not mocking anything, but I just want to understand they from the English, from the dictionary is a plural. I know. So. I haven't re- I haven't studied. So I haven't this. researched it. Okay. No. Because I, I, I was I talking know. to uh, again. I'd love somebody to come and. I was talking to Hermine Hayes Klein help at, uh, us understand after the more. conference. Uh, she she and I went to dinner and and she would mention that that she used the term they when she was talking about a story she was telling me, and I and I asked her and, and she wasn't sure either. Yeah. So but I'm just I was just curious. This is another really interesting fact because I left this workshop and I was I was very embarrassed and upset and. Um, not angry at them, but just like just embarrassed at the whole situation that I made them feel uncomfortable. And, you know, I had the best of intentions and I felt really misunderstood. And so I called my mom, who I've already mentioned is a lesbian, who's been married for 20 years. And I said, Mom, I went to this workshop and they asked me to leave and I just feel so mortified. And and she said, I have a cousin who is out of the closet and um and is a is a part of the younger generation. And she said, I had to talk to her and ask her, please explain to me all of these different terms and 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 help me understand because she's she's gay and lesbian and and didn't understand a lot of the new terms. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to be uh, to be accused of being insensitive when you when you don't understand. I think it would be really nice if, if it was it was again made clearer to all the people at the conference, you know, what, the, the, uh, like, they even have a guidebook of terminology or something like that to make to make it clear because, because as you said, everybody's so sensitive and everybody's so easily offended. You know, this has been a great topic. We're going to have to wrap up because we're running out of time. Okay. All right? Mm-hmm. But and I, I really hope I didn't offend anybody. I'm sure I did sure and did. I apologize. You, can't, you, can't, you know, we offend people sometimes by breathing. So uh, <laughs> it's just the way... I'm it, trying. It, it's just I'm the trying. way it is. The purpose of the podcast was not to offend people. It was just to, to discuss this openly. And I think I, I'm going to take up your um, idea of trying to get somebody to come on with us who will... I would appreciate um, that. And we'll have some ground rules to make it, you know, a productive conversation. And, yep. and, and I think we'll give uh, producer John a mic for that one too. because <laughs> He has a lot to say. He's got a lot to say. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and he's got some insight. So, so anyway, um, this is, uh, this is a, a, a topic that's not going to end here. It's clearly going to go on. 
understanding and, and dialogue, meaning dialogue from both sides, would be, in my opinion, the best thing that could possibly happen. Because what these, what happened at Mana, it could have been done better. It could have been, it could have been something. And maybe you're saying it was purposely done that way, but I think that that we all have a, a, a common goal. And if our goals are slightly different because we don't understand each other, then pissing people off and alienate them is not going to help with the understanding. So if that's what's been happening to these groups for a very long time, uh, um, on behalf of Dr. Stu's podcast, I apologize. We apologize. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for listening for this time. And um, again, this one would be really great to get some feedback. And please keep your comments pithy, but uh, polite. Yeah. And ask kind. Dr. I'm Stu at gmail.com. <laughs> And we will respond to each and every one of them. Uh, you can reach us at uh, uh, that email. You can find us on iTunes. Find us at uh, drstewspodcast.com. Bliss is at birthingbliss.com. Be nice. Be nice. You can be, be nicer to her than you are to me. I, I, I'm used to it. Uh, again, thanks for listening. This has been podcast number 119. See you next time.